hello. Hi. It was weird saying hello first before you. <laughs> I know. You looked so nervous. <laughs> Did I do this right? <laughs> hey, uh, so I was working on my notes just before recording, of course, because... Classic. Yeah, because I'm... I just do that. <laughs> you have a sickness. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was listening to some soundtrack. What sort of stuff do you listen to when you like are concentrating on things? <laughs> Lately, I'm into this Icelandic band from Eurovision uh, because it's okay. really, it's got good beats. Uh-huh. And it's very high energy, but I don't know what they're saying. So <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that can be good. <laughs> I was listening to some video game soundtracks. Oh, that shit's good. So I finished with Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life. <laughs> you you kind of came back down. Yeah, that was my kind of like, okay, I need to chill, get back ready to, mm. centered to talk. Uh, but before then, I was listening to Mario Kart, which Ooh. is like the opposite of that, you know? Yeah. Super That's fast. Like I, just, I just did some cocaine music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Mario Kart 64. I feel like I played that one more than the Super Nintendo one. Um. Yeah, the Super Nintendo one... I just remember that one had a like a cocoa track that mm-hmm. we liked because it looked like your car was pooping the whole time. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the one that was like driving through the mud. Yeah. <laughs> We're very mature. <laughs> so, yeah, I was listening to some of that. Some Super Smash Bros. Ooh, okay. Donkey Kong Country. Oh, my. That one had a ripping soundtrack. That was so cool. I was, I was jamming to that one. I might have to do that later. And also just some classic like Pokemon. Yeah. Both Pokemon like red, blue, and yellow version, you Mm -hmm, know, those. mm -hmm. But also Pokemon Stadium. That was pretty cool, too. Yeah, I got to play Pokemon Stadium again with my nephew recently. Kid loves it. It's great. That's awesome. All right. You want to get into it? Yeah, now that you're all psyched. Yes. But appropriately calm. (laughs) Yes. I brought myself back down to the lovely fertile earth. (laughs) Okay, what are we doing today? I brought up notes as if I have notes. I don't. Oh, dang. Well, hopefully you come up with some questions as we go. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be learning today about the Paris Commune. Okay, I've heard about this like literally last week. <laughs> yeah, last week. In last week's episode, we were talking about the state and revolution mm-hmm. by Vladimir Lenin. And one of the things that he spent a ton of time talking about was the... Paris Commune is kind of an example of revolution in action and what he thought the next stages should look like. Cool. Well, I'm excited. Tell me about it. All right. All right. So I kind of wanted to give us a little bit of historical background before mm-hmm. we get just jump into the Paris Commune, which happens in 1871. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you want that analysis, you can go listen to the previous episode. So, yeah. Yes. Episode right before this one whatever number that is 47 (laughs) okay all right so very 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 brief historical background here to get us up to speed on french history before this all right i mean i don't know a lot of french history so lay it on me yeah that's why i think it's important a lot of americans we really don't and who knows maybe listeners elsewhere too also are like french i don't know anything about france so all right, so let's start back in medieval times, and we're going to brush real quick, okay? Medieval okay. times all the way through early modern times. Just think early, <laughs> like, asshole kings, you know, just kings. Okay, yeah, kings were being kings. Yeah, absolute monarchs, didn't take any shit from anybody. This is called the Ancien Regime. By the way, all my French is going to be shitty, except for a few things I looked up. 
<laughs> Even those are probably going to be bad, but whatever. Okay. All right. Early kings, who cares? They're bad. Okay. Kings they eventually shady. get so bad. They eventually get so unequal. They're like lavish feasts and everything while everybody's mm-hmm. starving. This is 1793. Okay. The French Revolution. Cool. All right. They make a bunch of monarchs' heads roll. Liberty, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. E- equality, fraternity. That's the, the cool painting with the titty out and the flag. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Uh, And so this is the beginning of the first French Republic. Okay. 1793. By a couple years later, things are crazy again. (laughs) Yeah, didn't they go through a lot of revolutions? Yeah, yeah, they will. Yes. Uh, And so things kind of devolve into a dictatorship under Napoleon. You've heard of that guy. Yep. And they establish the first French empire. Jeez, so you kind of went backwards. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) From republic to empire, whoops. Yeah, and so by 1803, Napoleon is at war with Europe, pretty much. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) He's just trying to expand everywhere, and Europe's like, no, fuck you. Yeah, no. He's eventually defeated decisively. It's a couple times that he's, like, false defeated. Uh, He's finally, like, for real defeated at Mm -hmm. Waterloo. I know that one. He goes to the island because that's a common crossword clue, the island of Elba. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes you'll hear that expression, this is so-and-so's Waterloo. Like, they got defeated for good. All right, so that's in 1815. Napoleon's defeated. There's something Mm -hmm. called the Bourbon Restoration, which sounds cool. Sounds great. But is not cool. Oh, no. (laughs) Because this is just referring to the House of Bourbon, probably. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The monarchy returns to France. They have constitutional limits because of like the changes that have happened. You you, you have a couple of like French kings again. Mm-hmm. Then in 1830, you have the July Revolution, okay, uh, which is where the king King Charles X he got too bossy. He was an asshole. For example, he tried to execute people for profaning the Eucharist. Okay, what does that even mean? Like, I guess you took it wrong from the priest stealing it or like you know, stomping on it or talking shit about it. <laughs> I have a gross joke where we were raised Catholic. So we know a lot about communion, but mm-hmm. so like you got two ways to go. You can do like the hands or you can like make them put it in your mouth. And I feel like the mouth is like older. That's the old fashioned way. Yeah. yeah. What if someone <laughs> did a rude gesture in front of their mouth as they're getting <laughs> communion? They're just like, <laughs> <laughs> execution. They never execute anyone with that, but he tried to. Um, and okay. Everyone was like, fuck you. And so they had a revolt. He abdicated. They they put a different guy on the throne from a different branch mm-hmm. of the family, Louis Philippe. Uh, and was he so, the bourbon? No, no, no. So the previous guy was the bourbon. This guy oh, is the Orléans okay. guy. Anyway, uh, this is called the July monarchy. It lasts longer than July. It just comes from the revolution. <laughs> okay. And pretty soon thereafter, he's pretty unpopular too, because he's just like a corrupt asshole yeah. there's a minor rebellion called the june rebellion this is where <laughs> les mis comes from oh okay a couple years later 1832 then in 1848 this guy's still in charge the louis philippe guy and there's a revolution to overthrow him wait so les mis didn't even work no les mis did not work like that they sucks. got crushed easy yeah <laughs> that sucks what a shitty play and so they they overthrow louis philippe in 1848 for being an asshole and they declare the second republic okay Let's try again. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Round two. They elect a guy named Louis Napoleon Bonaparte, Mm. which is just... Okay. He's the nephew of previous Napoleon. It seems like you're asking for trouble. 
Well, you're right. It's <laughs> three years later that he's facing term limits. He can't run again, and he's soon to be out of power. So he does a little coup against himself. What? He All it amounts to is he arrests his political opponents. But, like, he's the guy in charge uh, of the government, but he, like, you know, brings in troops against the government. Does a coup Jesus, against himself. Okay. Arrests his opponents. Okay. And puts together a new constitution where he can run for office as many times as he wants for 10-year <laughs> periods. That's right. not enough. The next year, he declares himself uh, Emperor Napoleon the Third. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, who saw that coming? <laughs> right? Uh, so that's the Second French Empire. <sighs> Overall, his summary, because he rules for a long time. That's 1851. He's in power till 1870. Overall, like the summary of his time in office or in power is uh, he's a conservative, brash, dumbass. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. He's kind of stupid. Like plenty of his contemporaries say, <laughs> I think that this guy's very <laughs> ambitious, but I don't think he's like actually <laughs> disqualified. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so he's just a stupid guy. He's kind of a womanizer. Okay. Uh, that's just what he does. All right. Uh, and so that's what gets us up to 1870, which is where we need to be. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> with the Franco-Prussian War. All right. Yeah, we talked about this briefly last week. Yeah. This is a dumb imperialist war. Right? Most wars are. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the backstory here is France basically gets goaded into declaring this war. Okay. Uh, there's this dude named Leopold, who's a candidate for the throne of Spain. Yeah, that sounds strange. Whatever. Yeah, like we're out of left field here, but okay. He happens to be the cousin of King Wilhelm I of Prussia, which is like a little uh -oh. chunk of Germany. Yeah, yeah. And so France is sitting there and they're like, oh no, we're going to be hemmed in on both sides by these guys. And so we'll be, you know, mm. trapped with by enemies. That's not good. Okay, because yeah. that was their rival. So... They complain about it. They say, like, please don't do this. And the Prussians are like, yeah, 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 never mind. Mm -hmm. That guy doesn't need to be in charge of Spain. <laughs> but the Prussian foreign minister, a guy named Otto von Bismarck. Uh-huh. He's very clever. Whereas Napoleon's very stupid. This guy's very clever. <laughs> and uh, he starts some rumors. And he stirs up Ooh. some shit. Okay. The, the French send a guy over to say, like, Hey, I know you recalled this, you know, this candidate, like, you're not going to do that anymore. Sure. But please, you have to like promise us that you're never going to do this again, ever. Ooh, okay. And the king is just like, no, dude, we're not going to do that. You know, like, <laughs> but he's, he's kind of polite about it. But Otto yeah. von Bismarck kind of rewords that and releases it to the press Ooh. to say like, the king just said this, told this guy, fuck off, you know. Oh, my God. And the guy was being kind of an asshole and being like, no, you got to listen to me. You know, like he, he makes it look more <laughs> dramatic than it was. Yeah, yeah. Plus, the French press mistranslated it all and got, um, made it like even worse. Oh, everybody was like, fuck wow. Prussia. They're being jerks to us, blah, blah, blah. And so they declared war. <laughs> okay, real quick. How do you have a candidate for king? Like, that's the point of kings. I didn't look that up i don't know i don't know if they had some sort of elective monarchy or what i wonder if it's like somebody died and like they didn't there's have a two guy. cousins you know and mm. like they're both equally they're born at the same time okay <laughs> there was a revolution in spain in 1868 it overthrew queen isabella ii and leopold mm. was offered the spanish crown by the new government interesting okay i guess that's how yep they were just like <laughs> come be our king please 
Weird. What a weird revolution ending. <laughs> now that we overthrew this monarch, let's do it again. Yeah, well, that's, you know, revolutions used to do that instead of being I guess against that's true. kings. Anyway, France declares war on Prussia. Yep. Otto von Bismarck wanted this war because he thought, A, we're going to kick France's ass because mm-hmm. we're more powerful than them and Napoleon III is a moron. Yeah. All right. B, if he got France to declare war on them, on Prussia, then he could turn his little regional alliance, the North German Confederation, into a Germany-wide alliance because the southern states would be like, hey, don't mess with our friend. And so they would join in and he would be able to unify Germany under Wilhelm and like, that's that's how it would happen. What a scheme. Yeah. And it works. All the southern states of Germany are like, Oh fuck this! Like let's go! Like <laughs> France is being an asshole, and so they join in with uh, with the Confederation there. After this war is over, Germany will be a unified country. Okay, yeah. Instead of Prussia and a bunch of states. Okay. So his master plan totally worked. Worked out. Okay. Uh, France goes into the war uh, and gets completely dominated. Napoleon the Third, classic dumb guy move, <laughs> tries to command his armies in the field and gets his ass captured. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he's, uh, this is September 2nd, 1870. He's captured at the Battle of Sedan. They were all in, in small cars. They just were driving around. Beep, beep. <laughs> they had swords hanging out their window, <laughs> swiping at people. Yeah. That was effectively the end of the war, kind of. It should have been. And so news of the emperor's capture reaches Paris the next day. Okay. The government's like, Oh, fuck. You know? They're, they're... <laughs> but I bet some of them were like, oh, thank God. We got rid of that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But <laughs> but it's it's a bad look. Right. Yeah. And so the acting regent, the Empress Eugenie, uh, flees the city of Paris. And the National Assembly, kind of like, you know, the French Congress, they say, well, fuck, the Empress captured. We're going to, you know, they declare the Third <laughs> French Republic and they start their government called the government of national defense. Okay. Wow. If your government calls itself the government of national defense, Ooh, it's <laughs> I'm uh, worried. It's not a very, uh, well done government because <laughs> they, you know, start talking to the Prussians and say like, okay, you know, what are your demands? And the, you know, good defense, <laughs> right. The Prussians are just like, you got to surrender. You got to turn territory over to us or whatever. And they're like, no, we won't do that. We're going to continue fighting the war. Oh, my God. Which is a is like a bad idea. A really bad idea. Like They just got their asses kicked. Somehow they think they're going to do, you know, do better this time. Wow. And the Prussians are like, I mean, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll just beat your ass. That's fine, I guess. Right. And the French government Oof. doesn't do anything like marching toward... Prussia or anything like that. So the Prussians are just like, I mean, I guess we'll invade. I guess we'll go take your capital. <laughs> uh, and that's what they do. They go there. They surround it. The French government does a terrible job of defending the city. They just keep losing. And so Paris is in this terrible city. They're like under siege, you know? Yeah, yeah. You got radicals everywhere. Hell yeah. Demonstrating against the government. They're demanding their own kind of self-government of Paris, like a commune or council Nice. Yeah, which at the, at the time didn't have such a radical meaning. Okay. In France, especially, like city governments are, I don't know if it's in all cases or just in most cases, referred to as communes. 
Oh, okay. So it's it's just meaning like the local government. Because before, they were just directly administered by the government. Kind of Washington, D.C. style. Oh, okay. You know? That makes sense. There are radicals everywhere. The most radical group was a group called the Blanquists. Okay. Which were followers of this guy, Louis Auguste Blanqui. Okay. And he's sort of, you know, remember like the illegalists and those type of guys? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The propaganda of the deed types. Like, that's him. He was all about overthrowing the state, but he didn't really give a damn what happened after. He was just like, okay. I mean, you know, let's Whatever. do some insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> so by this point, Paris was starving. It was January 1871. People are all over the place demonstrating against the government, saying, you know, fuck you guys, end this war. This is ridiculous. We're dying. You know, mm-hmm. they're eating rats by that point. Ugh, yeah. And so the government finally agrees. They give in. They sign an armistice with the Prussians. Okay, good. Uh, they elect a national assembly, uh, which is mostly conservative, because this is like from the whole country, not just Paris. Paris was way more radical. Yeah, I imagine. And so were, you know, some other cities and stuff. But out in the countryside, it was way conservative. Mm-hmm. And I mean, understandable, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a different situation. Yeah. They elect a guy named Adolf Thiers. I think it's Tier, or maybe how you pronounce it, as their leader. Okay. And they decide that they're going to, this is the national government again. Uh, they decide they're going to meet in Versailles, which is like outside of Paris. It's like, a, yeah, you know, yeah, it's really close. Yeah. Uh, instead of, but instead of in the city so that they're further away from all this unrest that's going on. Oh, that's kind of shitty, but okay. Yeah, that is totally <laughs> shitty. Especially that it's Versailles, like symbol of lavishness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind yeah. of a bad look. Yup. So they've given up the war at least. All right. Mm-hmm. But you still have this kind of national government in charge and the Parisians are still pretty upset about like how things have gone so far and the government proceeds to do some shitty things yeah they're Uh, just mad at how it's all been mishandled yeah yeah but they don't like they don't stop there uh they start suspending some radical newspapers kind of cracking down on dissent during the war there had been a moratorium on debt collection the national government decides that's time to end oh let's collect those debts once again boo and they also try to confiscate a bunch of weapons, these 400 kind of old style cannons that are in Paris. Oh, okay. The city of Paris had paid for this, like with a direct tax. They had been forced to pay for these cannons already. <gasps> they had them in their possession. And the government was just like, no, fuck you. We're taking that. What the fuck? Well, they didn't want these yeah. unruly Parisians to have those weapons. I mean, it's literally what we saw in the reading last week when it's like you do a, as soon as the battle is over, watch for who starts disarming who. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's happening. Yep. And so the people of Paris were not about this. Yeah. They started organizing themselves through an organization called the National Guard. Okay. And the National Guard is separate from like the regular army. Yeah, it's like a a citizen militia. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because the, the the French government had like the regular army, and they had kind of like an army reserve, like just some some people that they had just called up just for this situation, just for the mm-hmm. war. Uh, but this is separate. This is like you said, just a militia. 
And it's it's pretty large in number. It's like around 300,000 people. Oh, damn. Versus like maybe around 140,000 that the French government had in official troops. Wow. And they were kind of organized at the neighborhood level. In in Paris, these are called the arrondissement. Okay. The the working class arrondissement had had more kind of radical national yeah. guardsmen. Because, you know, it's very, like, almost decentralized. And they're known for being, like, unruly, uh, <laughs> refusing to wear uniforms. Hell uh, yeah. Just rowdy boys. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't take orders without discussing them first. <laughs> That's great. Uh, they demanded <laughs> to, like, elect their own officers. They were just punks, you know? Yeah, yeah. They were the National Guards. And it wasn't, like, all the sections of it, but just the ones from the working class area. Mm-hmm. But these guys were involved in leading protests in, in Paris, you know, all those, all the unrest that had been going on. Uh, they end up electing their own delegates. And by March 15th, 1871, they had created a central committee. So like out of their membership, they had voted on these guys. Like these guys are going to be our central committee. Uh, central committee for the, for the national like, guard, the national guard. Yeah. Okay. This is yeah not like a whole Paris wide thing. Yeah. Yet. Uh, but it was, it was starting here mm-hmm. and uh, the central committee voted to refuse to recognize the authority of like the government appointed guy who was supposed okay. to be in charge in the national guard. They were like, fuck this guy, the military <laughs> governor of Paris. They also were like, no, nah, we're not listening to him either. Nice. Yeah. And so shit is coming to a head. And of course in walks a centrist dumbass. Oh God. Who's going to, you know, keep the peace. He's going to talk to both <laughs> sides and make sure everything's fine. No violence happens. It's a guy named George Clemenceau. Okay. And uh, later on, he'll have a full political career, become prime minister of France, blah, blah, blah. But at the time, he's just like a centrist asshole. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm betting he was a centrist asshole later, too, but we'll see. Maybe he grows. (laughs) Uh, So he tries to talk to both sides, tries to negotiate something, you know, hey, Maybe we should, uh, maybe the government should only steal back like some of these cannons, you know? <laughs> okay. Classic. But this totally fails. The government thinks this guy's like a crazy radical. Oh my God. And the commune thinks this guy's like a government, you know, government spy moderate sort of guy. I love it. So neither Hated side. Hated by all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so neither side trusts him. And he just, you know, just walks away like he lost. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> yeah. Later, he'll say something about the situation in, in classic centrist fashion. We are caught between two bands of crazy people. Those oh sitting God. in Versailles and those in Paris. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Good people on both sides. <laughs> anyway, the government sends in the army to retake those cannons. Mm, okay. Even though the generals are like, uh, we don't have enough people. This might not work. The government's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Do it. Go. Okay. It does not go well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they show up on March 18th and they quickly end up getting into a confrontation with the National Guard. They end up shooting one of their, one of the National Guardsmen and like people show up and it's like, what the fuck? Why'd you shoot this guy? Oh, shit. Uh, and meanwhile, the army's just stuck there with the cannons. They, I've... There's a couple of stories there. Either they didn't like bring the horses straight up to pull the cannons (laughs) or just the harnesses that they needed to attach the horses to either way. They were stuck. Yeah. 
they were just sitting there while this crowd's <laughs> coming around saying, you know, harassing them <laughs> for killing this guy and for trying to take their stuff. And, uh, so in, in this, like some of the soldiers like break away and they go join the people. Oh shit. And their general, a guy named Claude Lecomte is uh-huh. pissed about this, you know? He, yeah, uh, I'm sure. And so he, he orders them to fire into this crowd <gasps> of civilians. Oh my gosh. He gives the order three different times and three different times the soldiers are like, nah, dude, these are civilians. Yeah. And they refuse. Good job, soldiers. I mean, low bar, but. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You have to, I mean, it's just a low bar. I don't have anything else to say. No, but it's, you know, it's crucial, you know, and I think that, I mean, it's, you know, it's important to be like Mm anti-imperialist, but this commune is able to initially even get off the ground because of like we were saying about the radical national guardsmen and also these troops joining yeah yeah for sure like it seems like you gotta have you gotta have one over some military folks for this kind of thing to work which is yeah i don't know how the fuck that would happen (laughs) now but okay i mean it looks like it's it's gotta be a part of any successful revolution I think so, yeah. But right now, it's like a pipeline to the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I guess if things get bad enough, it can be, it can change because, you know, we saw this in the Bolshevik Revolution, too. Mm-hmm. The army was a hotbed of revolutionary activity, you know? Interesting, yeah. The Yeah, so the army's like breaking away and joining the people, and uh, they end up just arresting that General LeCompte oh, yeah. and, and his officers. Get him out of here. And they take him to National Guard headquarters. Meanwhile, another military guy, this guy, General Clement Thomas, who was known by the people as just being a real asshole who had crushed previous <laughs> rebellions before. Okay, great. He comes out to figure out what's going on. He's just dressed in civilian clothes. I guess this guy mm. lived in Paris or something and was okay. like, what the fuck's happening? He shows up and people are like, that's that guy, General Clement Thomas. I hate that dude. They <laughs> arrest him. uh, they beat him up and they just kill him. <laughs> okay, that part sucks, but whatever. Like, it sounds like this guy sucked. They fill him full of holes. Like, they 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 uh, shoot him full of bullets. He it's uh forty bullets in him. Oh my god! Yeah, and uh, they take the opportunity to go ahead and shoot the other guy too, who had ordered people <laughs> to fire into the crowd. They kill him while we're here. <laughs> <laughs> the army retreats. You know, they're like, oh yeah. no, we lost. <laughs> Uh, they finally <laughs> retreat from Paris. People start throwing up barricades all over working class arrondissement. And the army, you know, full retreat. They're going to try to come back later, but they're yeah, out. Yeah. And so the National Guard mobilizes to okay. take control of the city. This is, uh, again, March 18th. Okay. The the most radical group, the Blanquists, go take over the gunpowder stores at the Pantheon. Good call. Yeah, yeah, smart move, you know. <laughs> Some National Guard battalions start capturing things, the police headquarters, the old National Guard headquarters, the Justice Ministry headquarters, other government buildings, including the main one, uh, the Hotel de Ville. Hilarious, because it was empty. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's good. <laughs> you guys want to meet in another city? Well, we're going to take your shit while you're gone. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and so they take over everything. That becomes their headquarters great and they hoist the red flag over the building nice is it just plain red yes yeah they end up using this flag as their national flag versus the old tricolor yeah yeah 
and so this is the beginning of the Paris Commune, March 18th. Cool. How'd it go? Well, <laughs> they start out with some disagreement. Yeah. Well. The Blanquists wanted to go to Versailles and take over all of France. Let's go get oh, those damn. losers over there. Let's go <laughs> declare ourselves the, the entire government and start doing a revolution. Right? Wow, okay. <laughs> but most of the rest of the commune were like, whoa, we barely have Paris. Let's make sure we yeah. get control of Paris first and figure that out. So they create yeah. some government departments. They call for elections for a commune council. Okay. And they also, not only within their group, but outside of their group, they face some conflict between them, like this central committee of the National Guard. Mm-hmm. which is kind of the only government they have so far till those elections happen. Yeah. Uh, and the mayors of the various neighborhoods, the arrondissement, oh, okay. which those were elected under the overall, the national government and they're way oh, okay. more moderate than. Yeah. Yeah. And so the central committee is just like, fuck those guys. We're the legitimate government, not mm-hmm. these mayors. Take a hike. You can, yeah. I mean, you can stay here, but you're no longer the mayor pretty much. Is yeah. <laughs> and so they held elections March 26th. Cool. I mean, first of all, imagine an election season that short. That would be nice. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> I would love that. Uh, they elect a 92-member commune council, one representative for every 20,000 residents. Okay. And most people in upper-class neighborhoods had either left, like a large portion of the city had <laughs> yeah. already like. Went to their country chateaus. Yeah, but those were only like the super rich. Like you still had some kind of upper class people who were there. But a lot of them abstained from voting. The national government told them to. They were like, don't do this. This is not a legitimate election. Don't vote. Oh. You know. Wait, wait, wait. They told them not to vote? Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. And a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them did not vote. So most of the voters were like working class people. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And the results get this, the party makeup here is, is astounding. I love this. I would love for these to be our political parties. All right, let's hear them. So you had nine of the winners. They were blankiists. All right, so the okay. radicals. Uh, you had 25 who were independent revolutionaries, which that sounds good. <laughs> sounds great. Uh, about 15 were from the first international, like, so they were dedicated <laughs> socialists. And then the rest were from... A variety of radical groups. Oh, my God. Can you fucking imagine? (laughs) I feel like I could die happy with those kind of numbers. (laughs) I could just be like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, we would be like filthy (laughs) moderates. You know, we would be like, I don't know if I want to go as far as the blankies, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's delicious. Yeah. Uh, One of the best known candidates, that centrists from before... Clemenceau, mm-hmm. he got 752 votes, Oh, which is barely anything. Oh, man. Yeah, what a loser. <laughs> Downside, gender-wise, mm-hmm. yeah. women could not vote or hold office. Oh. They were still sexist, I mean. <laughs> Sounds like it. All right, they started. What did they do? Let's talk yeah. about some things that the commune tried to do. I mean, some of this stuff is pretty cool. Okay, tell me about it. So we talked about last week how the commune elected its officers, right? So direct Mm -hmm. elections that are all recallable. 
Mm-hmm. Revocable. You can you can kick them out of office immediately if you want. And they were paid just a regular worker's wage. Fuck yeah. And they had no special privileges. Fuck yeah. So this is, you know, different. It's not the old bourgeois state. It doesn't, you know, it's not placing itself above the people. Now it's an actual, it's a commune of the people. I feel like that's such a common sense thing. Like, I feel like you talk to anyone in the States and they're like, no one fucking likes these. I mean, libs do. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like a normal person, <laughs> mm-hmm. even like conservatives, they they all think that the government is corrupt yeah. and all this shit. And you're like, you're right. Yep. But like, your, your methodology is flawed, but you're mm-hmm. right about them being corrupt. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, they get that it's wrong what's happening. They just want to take it in a worse direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's... I think that's why Marx and Lenin and Engels were, were, that's what they were trying to say was saying like the state is above the people because regular Mm -hmm. people get that it's fucked up, Mm -hmm. but it's still imposed upon us, you know? Yeah. It's just like accepted. Yeah. It's still something we have to do this, even though most people don't like it. And so that's why it's inherently repressive. Yeah. But the commune government had no president, no mayor, no commander in chief, you know, no gods, no masters. Damn, it dude. Was, we are running this all together. Wow. They instituted a separation of church and state. Great. Which was a big deal. Yeah. Those had previously been very intertwined. <laughs> uh, they appropriated church property. They excluded religion from schools. Great. They made it to where p- priests were no longer like government paid employees. That's a good call. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they also took some priests hostages they arrested them okay well started using them as hostages we'll get a little bit more into detail with hostages later oh okay but that's yeah you know not as not great in their defense you know the the church had been you know part of the repressive arm of the government before yeah yeah it's not like your your friendly neighborhood priest right yeah (laughs) that said they still took him hostage so yeah well they also abolished the death penalty Love that. They actually like gathered up all the guillotines in the city and set them on fire. That's fantastic. Yeah. Whereas the guillotine had been this kind of symbol of equality and the people rising up and stuff in the French uh-huh. Revolution. Yeah, yeah. Between that and 1870, it had then just been used for state execution. So it was then seen as like a symbol of, you know, state domination. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They also destroyed a big monument to Napoleon. Great. Called the Vendome Column or something like that. Uh, They said it was a monument of barbarism, a symbol of brute force and false pride. So, Mm. I mean, they were tearing down statues, you know. Fuck yeah, I'd love (laughs) to do that. Uh, They abolished military conscription. uh, So that the military, such as it was, was just like, kind of like Lennon was talking about, the armed population. Mm -hmm. So... On paper, they had a huge military because it was just the male population. <laughs> just you know? everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they went back to the no rent situation Great. that they had during the siege. Fuck yeah. They abolished debt interest. Fuck yes. They abolished child labor. Good. Uh, and also night work in bakeries, which is apparently a big deal in Paris, but uh, you know, you have to go and- There's a lot of bakeries. Yeah. You have to work the night shift. They would force you to do that. Uh, it also prohibited employers from fining their workers. Oh, which okay. sounds real shitty. I mean, you're already yeah. getting robbed by them anyway, and then you have to pay them more. <laughs> what the fuck? 
So they prohibited that. They also returned a bunch of stuff to people like they kind of turned open their pawn shops is a way to think about this. A lot of people had had to pawn things during the siege. And so Mm. they were like, that was kind of fucked up. Here you go. You know? Oh, that's so nice. They also gave employees the right to take over and run a business if the owner had abandoned it. That's great. With compensation. So it wasn't like just radical... See you out in the street. You did have to pay them back for it. Mm, So not quite as we would like them to just straight take it, you know, (laughs) even if they're still there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Yeah. Anyway, these are some of the cool things that they pass as laws. Pretty cool. They kind of only barely get to implement them because they don't last for very long. You know, good start. Yeah. They start trying to do these things. They also get a lot of help from the local level, the arrondissements, uh, Mm -hmm. which start setting up uh, free orphanages. They start handing out school supplies and clothing and food for free. So it's also this like local level of people trying to do shit for themselves. That sounds so nice. I want to watch a movie about this or like a, ooh, this would be a great like prestige Netflix series. Somebody get on that. True. It's also kind of dire because they're uh, still, you know. (laughs) Yeah, they're still in a war. It wouldn't just be cute the whole time. Right. But they're... It could be very dramatic, but have these really cute little moments. It would be a pretty good Netflix series, like the miniseries things, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, some other things they did, they banned some pro-government newspapers. Cool. For being pro-government. <laughs> uh, and they also, they took out a loan from the Bank of France. That's a weird move. Yeah. And this is kind of dumb. Instead of just, <laughs> so they're in Paris. They're sitting on the uh-huh. Bank of France. Couldn't they just take the fucking money? Well, the vaulted... Not the, yeah, the vaults, like the gold reserves had already been taken Mm. away, but you still had like a bunch of gold coins and, uh, and just paper money, Mm banknotes still there. And instead of robbing that, which was like 246 million I would just rob it. Just rob (laughs) it. They're gone. Uh, Instead, they were worried about like, oh, but we won't be able to back up a stable currency because we'll have no reserves. So instead they, they put a guy in charge of the bank and loaned themselves money from it. That's crazy. Yeah, probably a stupid move. Like, they probably should have just taken that over. I mean, they ended up not, they could have stolen that money. They weren't even around long enough to spend it all. So that could have helped, you know? (laughs) Yeah, what the heck? So that was kind of a hmm, not so hot Mm. moment. That's like a I'm so obsessed with following the rules kind of moment where, like, you're, you're kind of throwing logic out the window. Yeah, like, they don't need to be that formal about it. They just don't. They're not there. They're a revolutionary government, you know? Yeah. Uh, Anyway, we mentioned the status of women before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They couldn't vote. They couldn't hold office, but they were still doing shit. Even though, you know, sexism was working against them, they were still taking an active role in the commune. When the battles start later on, they're going to be in the fight as well. Uh, One famous fighter is a woman named Louise Michelle. Okay. She was an anarchist. She had a cool mm. nickname, the Red Virgin of Montmartre. Ooh, that's very cool. Yeah. That'd be a great cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> it is Except a Except I guess it'd be a virgin cocktail, yeah. but which is not my thing, but you know. <laughs> you also had uh, Natalie Lamel and Elizabeth Dimitrif, uh, okay. who created the Women's Union for the Defense of Paris and Care Fuck of yeah. the Wounded. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So obviously they were doing that, right? They were helping mm-hmm. with the war effort, but they were also like more broadly speaking, advocating a kind of a twin struggle against mm-hmm. patriarchy and global capitalism. 
Okay. So they, you know, realized you had to do both. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, they were fighting for gender and wage equality, uh, yeah. the right for women to divorce. Nice. That's a huge one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the right to secular education, uh, the right to professional education for girls, the end of distinction between married women and concubines. Oh, interesting. And between legitimate and illegitimate children. Also huge. Yeah. Why is that particular? I, I get that like yeah. it's, I don't know, inheritance. Is that the main it's thing? It's inheritance. Okay. Um, but it's also, I mean, like you could be, you know, socially shunned or I imagine even back then probably like not be able to get a job in certain fields, stuff like that. Oh, I'm if sure. people, okay. Yeah. If they're like, oh, but you have illegitimate children. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I just want to make a quick point. Mm -hmm. Like when we talk about the reasons why divorce and um, illegitimacy and stuff like that is important, like you can really see how property takes a huge role in in these, you know, so-called just social relations of marriage. You know, like it is it is all about property, especially back then. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That, that combined with that with the right to divorce and like safety issues there uh there's yeah, also sure. that uh there's also that central issue of property uh what else oh they also wanted to abolish sex work uh, uh okay. which was at the time and you remember we talked about this i think with emma goldman Mm -hmm. uh, which because at the time it was seen and maybe with Karl marx too because uh, at the time it was seen as like exploitative like yeah. capitalism it was just capitalism again but like yeah. personalized and people, you know, were kind of, they were seen as being forced into it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's a weird one. Because <laughs> I, I, I get that argument in a way, but it's like we're all selling our bodies in some way. So like, whatever. Yeah, I, I guess maybe. Unless in, you got rid of all work. Yeah. In modern times, we would just be like, let's just abolish work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway. That was what the women's movement was doing in the Paris Commune. Okay. But let's get to the dark chapter. Oh, no. Because all this fun time, all of it has to come to an end. <laughs> Damn it. Because you have, you know, this is where we turn from the rebels to the empire. We turn back mm -hmm. to the dark side and see what. The soundtrack changes. Screen wide. moody lighting. Yeah. Screen Vader in it, the emperor plotting. Oh. And uh, the French government is still in Versailles, and they're biding their time to build up their forces to attack. Okay. To do so, they're going to need to get the help of their previous enemies, the Prussians. Real quick question. Yeah. How, you might not know this, how did the rest of France, like, respond to this outside the government? Like, what were those, like, other country areas where they like, what the fuck is up with Paris? <laughs> so... In other cities. Because I would like get on my little horsey and go up there. <laughs> Can I join? In other cities, some of them did try, did send some people to join and, and try to do their own thing too. Uh, like uh -huh. Marseille and Lyon. They uh -huh. tried to do this. Maybe some other cities too. But it, they, they were like immediately crushed. They did not succeed Aww. at all in getting okay. up off the ground. The countryside did send tons of volunteers to the army to the to the to the government no uh, because the countryside was rural they were pro-government they yeah. did not like these radicals in paris oh man but the cities were 
you know, more radical. And it's possible, yeah. and it's possible that this is just a leadership in the country. Like maybe more peasants like would people. have been able to, you know, join in more just small farmers and stuff would have supported the, the commune. But they didn't really have a means of carrying out that. Yeah, it's not like they had like a robust transportation system. They could just like go send them shit and stuff like, yeah. Right. And even in the surrounding areas of Paris, uh, the Prussian army still had a perimeter around half the city. Yeah. And the government forces were pretty nearby. It was really hard for surrounding countryside to, to join in, even if they wanted to. And I'm, yeah, again, I'm probably sure that, that the regular people would have had more sympathy for this than maybe the mm-hmm. leadership of the country. So I don't yeah, want to tar yeah. them as like the classic Dumb trope yokels. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause as Mal said, they have revolutionary potential. Right. Back to the bad guys. Uh, so, like we said, the Prussians have the eastern half of Paris surrounded. The commune's forces by this point have taken up defensive positions around the western half of Paris. All right? Mm-hmm. So, it's like they're circling the city, Prussians on this side, the commune on this side. Uh-huh. And the government is on the western, like, on the western half, but further away in Versailles. Okay. And so... The French, they go to Otto von Bismarck, the Prussians, and they say, yeah. we need your help. Ugh. We, uh, you know, Paris, man. Paris is going crazy. And the Prussians were not fans, of course, of what was happening in Paris. <laughs> I'm sure. They were like, this looks pretty scary. Uh, uh-huh. We don't want that idea taking hold in our new unified republic. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> so what did they do? They helped the French government. They let them expand their regular army past the limits that had been set in the armistice. The armistice mm. said, you can't have a big army because we don't want to fight you again. Yeah. Instead, they said, that, that's, that's like fine. Go ahead and make you an army. You need it. Mm. They also allowed around 400,000 French prisoners of war from the Franco-Prussian War. They released them to go back to France so that they could help crush the commune. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. They really did not want this lasting any longer. Okay. Like, what can we take from this? These capitalist assholes, they will, you know, posture and they'll boast and they'll saber rattle about they're the biggest, baddest country. You know, Mm -hmm. it's America first or it's all for the fatherland or whatever. But when it comes down to, you know, the lethal threat of the people rising up against them, dethroning them, they're going to figure out how to work together against us pretty quick. Oh, that's so nasty. Yeah. So erstwhile enemies joining back together to to help each other out here. Ugh, that's so gross. And uh, now with the government forces at full strength. Mm-hmm. We'll go ahead and get into some boring military history because they're getting ready to do some stuff. Okay. I mean, I already know who wins, so. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the short version. So the commune, they try to launch an offensive from Paris. They're going to go to Versailles and attack it. They launch the attack April 2nd, 1871. They get defeated. The okay. commander of the government of the army, this asshole named George Ernest Boulanger, okay. orders the execution of all communard prisoners captured with weapons. Fuck, that's like everybody. Yeah. So anybody who they capture that has weapons on them, kill them. Oh my gosh. And so we'll use this term to refer to the people of the commune there, the communards. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what's in the reading. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the communards respond by passing the decree on hostages. This is on okay. April 5th. We mentioned the hostages before. Here's what they did. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. Anyone accused of complicity with the government could be arrested, imprisoned, and become hostages of the commune. In response to the government executions of communards, the decree said that they would execute three times as many hostages. Oh, shit. So, yeah, pretty gruesome stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, they have their backs against the fucking wall, so. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have to start executing people at the beginning. You know, the army didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. But they see them as traitors and, you know, typically governments. When they deal with that, they just kill them. Yeah. The commune also formed the Committee of Public Safety. Okay. Which is kind of a repressive force, basically. And as Lenin said, you know, it's it's kind of a, a special repressive force, but directed mm-hmm. at the bourgeoisie. Uh, this is named after the infamous Committee of Public Safety during the French Revolution, during their oh. reign of terror. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is what Robespierre was using to uh, execute lots of people. Okay, yeah. Anyway, it was doing the same thing for counter-revolutionaries, uh, for arresting them, you know, and holding them hostage. Okay, so was this just like the rich people that were still in town, basically? Uh, yeah, yeah, or the <laughs> the like priests and stuff. Uh, uh yeah, which yeah. a lot of them got arrested. So they, all right. So remaining hostages were in danger of being executed, and then they're going to go get some more hostages. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> when I say great, I mean bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the National Guard of the commune was not doing that well by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd suffered a couple of defeats in there ventures outside the city walls they ended up with maybe around twenty five thousand to fifty thousand actual troops instead of they were supposed to have like two hundred thousand but that was just the male population so this is who showed up you know yeah few of them knew how to use like their heavier weapons like the cannons and stuff they just weren't well trained yeah Uh, they had very few capable commanders there's this one guy they mention in in here as as being famous in the paris commune jaroslav dombrovsky Okay. He was a Polish guy, who, but he was living in Paris and he was one of their, he had had a military background. So mm, okay. they just didn't have a lot of those guys. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the issue with people's armies mm-hmm. is that like they're not well trained. Yeah. So yeah, you probably, especially back then, like guns were much harder to operate, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Are, do they still like, have like muskets well, and shit? So I think we still have this problem though. Okay, so, so think about it. They have the problem of handling, like it's harder for them to handle just the normal weapons, right? Mm-hmm. But the their opponent does not have significantly more advanced weapons than they do. Yeah, that's true. Whereas we, it's pretty easy to operate like the small arms, but we don't know mm-hmm. shit about operating like a... <laughs> Missiles. Right, and... like a drone. We don't, yeah. we don't have those, first of all, or a tank or whatever. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. So we have our own problems, I guess. <laughs> Uh, by May 20th, government forces, they had regrouped. They had surrounded the western half of Paris. The commune Ugh. had been driven back behind the city's walls. Boo. And soon enough, the army enters the city. Some traitorous chump informed the army that the <gasps> National Guard had left a section of the city wall undefended. Rude. That guy should get executed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm poor. Here we that. go. We're back to Snowpiercer, Christine. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, execute your prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, execute your prisoners. Number one rule. <laughs> <laughs> this begins the Saman Sanglant, the bloody week. 
It's probably not at all how you say that. I don't know, but that's okay. I just try to say things French sounding. The bloody yeah, week. just channel your inner Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, I mean, this as the name implies, is bloody. Yeah, yeah. Street fighting, violent, brutal stuff. The commune mm. is outnumbered five to one. Oh fuck! Uh, they're pleading pe- with people to come out and fight uh, in quite dramatic fashion. You know these these mm-hmm. declarations. I've got a couple of them here. I'll read. Oh yeah. In the name of this glorious France, mother of all the popular revolutions, permanent home of the ideas of justice and solidarity, <laughs> which should be and will be the laws of the world, march at the enemy, and may your revolutionary energy show him that someone can sell Paris, but no one can give it up or conquer it. The commune Damn. counts on you. Count on the commune. Well, that's good. It's kind of, yeah. Some... I don't know if I would die for it, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> What does this other one say? To arms, that Paris be bristling with barricades and that behind these improvised ramparts, it will hurl again its cry of war, its cry of pride, its cry of defiance, but its cry of victory, because Paris with its barricades is undefeatable. That revolutionary Paris, that Paris of great days, does its duty. The commune and the committee of public safety will do theirs. Um, this is giving me some red, the blood of angry men (laughs) (laughs) kind of vibes. Yes, totally. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? It's not for no reason. Like we mentioned earlier, all those revolutions like Paris has had has had experience Mm -hmm. with revolutions before. So they were, you know, doing what they knew how to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's. I, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know about current French politics, but I do love how when they get mad, they just set shit on fire yeah. and like, great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's in some ways, it's, uh, you know, again, we're not experts, I guess, but it's... Yeah, they have their problems. Right. Uh, but that is impressive how they will just straight up go out there and fight cops, you know? Yeah, it's hilarious. Not like hilarious, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the government... The army, meanwhile, keeps marching through its street-to-street fighting. Mm. They keep executing soldiers that they capture, thousands of them. They're even executing anybody who's found with gunpowder on their hands instead of just weapons because people started throwing down their weapons before surrendering. Oh, that sucks. Uh, But then they start checking their hands to see if they fired a weapon. That's so shitty. What if you're like, oh, it's just charcoal. I was drawing. Too bad. They don't believe you. Blam. Oh, no. Uh, Meanwhile, by May 23rd, the National Guard had started setting government buildings on fire to deny them to the advancing army. That's a good call. Like I said, I love a fire. <laughs> well, they include the Tulier Palace, uh, part of the Louvre. Ooh, okay. And eventually their own headquarters, the Hotel de Ville. Damn. You know, I bet there's a lot of people who are like, I can't believe they would deface like historical buildings, you know? Oh yeah. Like I bet people were pissed about that. Sure. Yeah. And that these, you know, and these fires were used to kind of tar the commune as just these insurrectionists, just these people out for destruction without any context to their getting crushed. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. They're getting executed and shit. Yeah. So tons of people by this point were deserting, changing Mm -hmm. into civilian clothes, shaving their beards off and trying to run away. Only around ten to 15,000 uh, communards remained. 
the army's yeah. continuing to close in, executing anybody, like we said. So that's still happening. The communards respond in desperation. They start executing more of their hostages. Oof. By the end of it, they had executed around, there's, you know, it may end up being higher, but 63 mm-hmm. is okay. about what they end up at. It could be higher than I that. I mean, how many of them got killed? Probably more than 63. Yeah, we'll talk about the, the numbers okay. here in a bit. By May 28th, the army had captured the last remaining communards. They had freed the 170 remaining hostages, mm. and the commune was over. It had been bloodily crushed. Damn. So they do not last too long. Yeah. About two months. March 18th to May 28th. How many days is that? Uh, 72 days. Damn. Yeah. It's um, actually a milestone that is remembered later when the Bolsheviks do their revolution. Lenin goes outside and dances in the snow. The day oh. that the uh, the day that the Bolshevik government lasts longer than the Paris Commune did. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, <laughs> but it yeah it gets bloodily defeated. The official army numbers during the bloody week, which this is probably at the very low end of anything. Yeah, probably. Whereas forty three thousand prisoners, twenty two thousand they claimed that they released before trial. Mm. Thirteen thousand out of fifteen thousand who went to trial were found guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of those imprisoned or deported or sentenced to forced labor. Uh, they claimed that only 95 of them were sentenced to death. I really? Yeah. Okay. I imagine that those are, those numbers are actually higher, uh, but that's our bias. We don't like them. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Okay. But like, that's just for people they captured. They also like straight up kill people in the streets though, right? Yeah, that's true. Okay. Do we have numbers for those guys? We have just... like overall casualty numbers. Uh, okay. After the war, Thousands of people who took part in the commune went into exile. Uh, mm-hmm. Hundreds were condemned to death, although only, mm. they did execute only 25 of those. Uh, okay. And there's a general amnesty in 1880 saying, okay. eh, you can come back from exile, you know. Yeah. Army casualties on their end. So how many army guys died? 877 killed. Yeah, the national government. 877 killed, 6,454 wounded, and 183 missing. Damn. We only have estimates on the communard side. Mm-hmm. Anywhere from the low end of like 10,000. That's a lot. To 20,000 killed. Lenin That's a would lot. cycle between 20 and 30,000. 20 oh, does, yeah. ha- I think 30 was more like Lenin making a case. 20,000 <laughs> is more, uh, more, you have more historians on board for that. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of them also want to lean toward the 10,000 number too. So I'm not okay. sure. It's a ton Somewhere. of people either way. So you know how people talk about like when they die, what they want to ask God? I feel like ours is going to be like, how many people really died? <laughs> we just <laughs> have a like list of events. these various things. Yeah. How many people died here? How many people died here? <laughs> uh, yeah, because we run up against that problem so many times. So our- many times. <laughs> <laughs> but I always just take the low end and I'm like, oh, that's still too many. Yeah, so. yeah that's fair. <laughs> So that's kind of the aftermath in terms of what officially happens. I mean, the national government retakes Paris, retakes control, and the Third Republic lasts until until World War II. Damn. All right. So having covered the timeline, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about what people thought about the Paris yeah. Commune, because this is an event in history 
the reactions to which are themselves history. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I gotta know mm-hmm. what did America think? I bet they didn't like it. Uh, good question. So yeah, I think you're right there. They did not <laughs> uh, did not appreciate what was going on. Mm-hmm. The American ambassador in Paris during the Commune, a guy named Elihu Washburn, okay, wrote in his personal diary. Just a big page that just said fuck all the way across. <laughs> well, he described the communards as brigands, assassins, and scoundrels. Scoundrels. He said, I have no time now to express my detestation. They threaten to destroy <laughs> Paris and bury everybody in its ruins before they will surrender. Wow. Dramatic. Okay. Very dramatic. I don't know in the newspapers in America, Mm -hmm. what that would have been like. It's in the beginning. It's in the end of reconstruction, the very earliest days of the Gilded Age. Mm. At that time, it's a very, it's, it's the industrial revolution still. It's kind of a, it's like I said, the beginning of the Gilded Age. It's the beginning of robber barons and stuff. Yeah. Full on like buck wild capitalism. Yeah. So while there's like labor unrest starting to happen, I don't think in the press there's going to be too much, there would have been too much sympathy for this at all. Oh, probably not. So the ruling elite were like losing their minds, I'm sure, about this. <laughs> so yeah, the Americans did not like it. I mean, understandable. Did we have any like anarchists around at the time that were into it? You did, yeah. So anarchists saw the commune as like, you know. The shit? Yeah, it's it's sort of an example of what they'd like to do to society-wise and and especially like their plans for what they mm-hmm. were because you know they didn't get much of it off the ground but yeah it was the, kind of their intentions and stuff so you know it's it's a communal federation of delegates it's subject to recall it had lots of anarchist participation in the actual workings of it you know we mentioned uh Louise Michel mm-hmm. the anarchist uh activist and so yeah, they 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 kind of saw it as a good thing. Anarchist uh, Mikhail Bakunin, like one of their leading guys, uh, strong supporter of the commune. He thought it was above all a rebellion against the state. He commended them for rejecting not only the state but also a revolutionary dictatorship. They you know because I mean they were running everything really horizontally, kind of disorganized in a way, but like no powerful people. Yeah, that I think that's what I really liked about it is that it was such a local level thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anarchists looked to that and said, this is good. And it's interesting because in anarchist circles, typically you don't have a lot of like sympathy for, you know, Marxist Leninism or anything mm-hmm. or, or Lenin in particular. And they'll say, you know, oh, the dictatorship of the proletariat, that's like bad. That's still power, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, you know, if you present them with the state and revolution, how it says, you know, the dictatorship of the proletariat looks like the Paris Commune. They're going to be like, oh, if that's what you mean, that's like fine. I think it's a language issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of what anarchists thought about it. Communists also see it as an example of, you know, the revolution in action, what society could look like after capitalism is abolished and the state is abolished. Fuck yeah. Uh, Talked about, you know, Marx and Engels and Lenin kind of last time what they thought of the Paris Commune. Yeah, yeah. They were total fanboys of it by the way like they had their critiques but overall you know if they were teenagers back then they would have had like posters of the paris commune all over 
oh, their for bedroom sure. walls and everything. <laughs> like, who's your favorite communard? <laughs> yes, yeah. Like I said, Lenin celebrated the day that they lasted longer than the Paris Commune. Oh. They made March 18th a national holiday in the Soviet oh. Union in honor of it. It was uh, the 50th anniversary of the Commune in 1921 in the Soviet Union that they had posters up everywhere saying the martyrs of the Paris Commune were resurrected under the red flag of the Soviets. Oh, wow. So they were like, you know, kind of obsessed with it. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I like it, though. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. We mentioned, like we said in our last episode, the focus on the Paris Commune is an example of the dictatorship of the proletariat, the workers' mm-hmm. semi-state or commune. Marx described it as the working class discovering the future form of government or of society, right? Yeah. Just kind of like in the course of revolution, they figured out, let's do it this way. It's, it's very democratic. Um, we're in charge of our own destiny. It's, like I said, recallable and all that. So it's accountable the communists really kind of saw that as the model of what to do next. But yeah, it's very horizontal. It's very um, local based. It's just like kind of accessible. The people's army thing is cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of showing my cards here and getting to a rating before we've gotten to the rating part. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can see why I think it's interesting that both anarchists and communists like it. Like we yes. actually agree on more things than we disagree as much oh, as yeah. they like to shit on each other. Yeah, for sure. And we can, you know, I mean, I'm sure there will be fights after a revolution, Mm -hmm. but like both anarchists and Marxists of really all stripes, besides maybe the reformists want to get rid of the capitalist state, you know? Yeah. All revolutionary Marxists anyway want to get rid of the capitalist state. We can work together on that. That's a monumental task enough. Yeah, right. We don't need to worry about our differences until after we somehow figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's kind of like what we were saying with the parties earlier. And we frequently, (laughs) frequently just like dream about this as man, wouldn't it be great to be like, I don't know if I'm going to vote for the anarchist guy or the Marxist guy, you know, insane. the Marxist Leninist guy or the Maoist. I'm I'm still deciding (laughs) like, ah. um, but yeah, Marx was also giving a pretty high rating to this. He said, Working men's Paris with its commune will be forever celebrated as the glorious harbinger of a new society. Its martyrs are enshrined in the great heart of the working class. Its exterminators history has already nailed to that eternal pillory from which all of the prayers of their priests will not avail to redeem them. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Classic dramatic marks there. Very dramatic. Yeah, I love the priest bit. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but he also, he had a criticism of the commune. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he said that they should have been harsher toward reactionaries. Yeah. He said they kind of went easy on them. They should have done conscription, he said, instead of Ooh. just volunteering the army. He said they didn't end up, end up with enough people. Yeah. Uh, so they should have drafted people. Ugh, I don't know. And he said they should have centralized decision-making more. In his reading, in Lenin's reading of him before, we saw that argument between centralism and federalism. Mm-hmm. And Marx was all about, like, central decision-making. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't really care about that. Like, especially because it's a city. It's like, it's just a city, y'all. Like, I don't know how centralized we got to be. I think they. I think he has a point there, though, that they were kind of disorganized. 
okay. It's that trade-off between that, like, let the neighborhoods do what they want versus Mm -hmm. organize it centrally is they ended up a little uncoordinated sometimes. I guess that's true. I don't know. I guess you have to find some sort of a balance between that. Yeah, I don't don't know know about conscription. Yeah, I'm not into that. I feel like it's fine to do in that sort of an emergency when you're fighting for your survival. It's not like what Mm -hmm. you want to do, but I would understand. And Mm -hmm. maybe I wouldn't even abdicate it, but I would be like, well, I guess we had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That was Marx's critique. Lenin said kind of the same thing. Genuine workers revolution example of the dictatorship of the proletariat. His critiques. Number one was that they stopped halfway. He said, Mm. instead of setting about expropriating the expropriators, it allowed it that just, you know, robbing the capitalists, basically. Mm, Yeah. It allowed itself to be led astray by dreams of establishing a higher justice in the country, united by a common national task. So, like, not taking over the banks. Yeah, that was dumb. Yeah. Like, he's just saying, guys, come on and do the thing. Like, take power, you know? Uh, So, he would he be on... Like we talked about how the commune was kind of split between like, let's take over France and let's chill here. He'd be like, let's go take over France, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. He, that's his other critique as well is excessive magnanimity on the part of the proletariat. Instead of destroying its enemies, it sought to exert moral influence on them. He said they were too nice. They didn't realize how urgent military action was. They should have attacked Versailles, taken over the country, and then figured things out instead of trying to figure things out in Paris and letting the national government regroup. I mean, that might be true because that not doing that gave them time to go see Otto Van Buttmark and <laughs> fuck things up. This is his yeah. new name. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. So I guess I don't know, honestly, if they would have been successful. But their army was bigger at that point, right? Yeah, but they also didn't know how to use those weapons and stuff. Like, it might have been hard. Montage. Yeah, it might have been hard, <laughs> but I... I they had a better chance of doing that than they did once those mm-hmm. prisoners of war returned and the army was at full strength. Yeah, yeah. And plus, I mean, if they take the government, the seat of government and everything, they're now the official thing. Like, just by virtue of that, mm-hmm. they might have greater pull on those other cities whose communes failed. Is saying Exactly. You know, they could rule, basically. Right. Those cities might actually succeed in... in forming their own so yeah that's i'd be for that it could have worked maybe (laughs) (laughs) so those are some of the assessments overall from people in history like we said those go on to kind of shape marx's and engels and lenin's view on what communism should look like Mm -hmm. you know how how it should progress from capitalism how it should take power what the revolution would end up being yeah what are our views that are going to shape communism? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are our views? Do we want to just do a rating system or a pros and cons or? Uh, pros and cons. Yeah. Hit me with them. All right. Pros. I mean, I like the, the cut or the jib, basically. Like I like, yeah. like I said, I like how horizontal it is. I mm-hmm. like the focus on like local control, the fucking elections being like pretty open i mean they they should have let women vote Uh, that sucks yeah but the revocable thing and the the workman's wages thing like that shit's good like i feel like again like that's a super easy sell to most people yeah yeah 
Yeah, overall, I liked it. I think the bank thing was really fucking stupid. Just like you've already, you already broke the biggest law, which is treason, you know, and for a penny and for a pound, literally steal the money. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That seemed dumb. They're going to be easy on me. Well, they didn't take the bank. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was weird. Because I feel like with that, you could have negotiated or something or like bought bought some cool shit. I don't know. There could have been something with that. Well, yeah, you could have funded everything you wanted to do, offered mm-hmm. higher pay to make sure that people show up for the National Guard. Oh, yeah. You could have paid your army and like, yeah, gotten more people in your army. That'd be cool. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like I mentioned earlier, the whole taking over Versailles thing would have been cool. I don't know if they could have pulled it off, but I would have been into it. I think it would have been a better strategy than mm-hmm. what they went with. I mean, yeah. you've, you've, you've got to take the seat of power. And that was, I think, something that the Bolsheviks understood, you know, versus, you know, in their situation versus what they tried here. They kind of learned from that, you know? Yeah. I, You know, usually I have a lot of squeamish qualms about, like, killing and stuff. But, like, I don't really care about it. <laughs> this one, I'm okay with it. I don't know. They didn't kill that many people, especially in comparison to how many of them got killed. So, like, I'm not that mad about it. I feel like it was... So, part of the hostage thing was also initially that they mm-hmm. were going to trade a bunch of the hostages for Blanqui, for the leader of that oh, most oh, radical group, because he was captured. in prison, like, the whole time. Oh. And the the government kept refusing them. Yeah, they were trying to be cool and trade them. I feel like... That was dumb of the government not to, but whatever. Well, yeah. I, well, I mean, the government was probably smart for doing that because that, yeah, that, that guy was a good, was a, a good inspiring leader. revolutionary. Yeah. Marx famously referred to him as the leader that the commune, you know, missed. Mm. But the, I don't know, the tactic of executing hostages, I feel like is... Mm, I'm not going to judge them for trying it first for, for once they tried it, like seeing maybe these guys will back off. But once it was clear that they dug in and just, okay, fine, we'll execute more of your dudes. I don't really see the point unless these hostages are for real going to do you any damage and executing them. But I mean, like it's like you said, it's fine. I'm not too mad, but yeah. Like once they're no longer useful as a bargaining chip, just like, ah, oh, whatever, like make sure they don't have guns and put them away somewhere. <laughs> Right, or just kick them out and just be like, go join yeah, them, go I guess, away. whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because the whole point of hostages is bargaining, basically. Yeah, so, I don't know. There's just pattern recognition, I guess. Oh, this isn't doing anything. Why? I mean, you kill them in revenge, I guess, but yeah, it's kind of mean. Yeah, that's shitty. So. I love how many of these things are like, what would I do if I had hostages? As if I would ever have hostages. Just sitting there. <laughs> Uh, they better negotiate or else you guys are getting it. Yeah. <laughs> you would not do well in that position. I would not. Um, there's Snowpiercer weenies, Christine so and there's like, Weenie Christine and yeah. the two are always fighting. There are two wolves <laughs> inside of me. Yeah. I mean, I agree with your pro and con assessment mostly. What is it? So I agree. We talked about the the democratization in terms of open voting i agree mm-hmm. it should have been open to anyone regardless of the gender they messed up with the bank situation i think mm-hmm. that the horizontal thing the lack of organization hurt them more than it helped them yeah and i think that that may be one of the positive lessons that 
Lenin and the Bolsheviks learned from that was we got to have a disciplined party force. But then again, when you end up with kind of a secretive Mm -hmm. government that's a little more separate from the people, you know, that also led to its problems. So it was more successful in getting the revolution done. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about how the problems that arose from that. Yeah, yeah. It's like almost like you have to have a like a prenup, like a commitment to like, okay, we're going to do some shit for a while and be really centralized and a little bit mean, but I fucking promise that when we're done, we'll stop and we'll transition to being more local. And that is what Lenin laid forth, though, in the state and revolution is. It is, yeah. A period of repression until it's over and then. But like, that's so tricky, though, because like, you're always going to be asking, like, when is it over? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and there's different forms of doing that, like it, like in. Maoism, where you have the mass line that kind of ties you to the people mm-hmm. and says, oh, we're, we're going to be doing what the people say and make sure that we're delivering that to them. I mean, you still end up with kind of some downsides in terms of like the cultural revolution. You yeah. still end up with kind of mass killings and things like that. And not to mention just disasters like the Great Leap Forward. Yeah. Yeah. So this shit's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I lean towards more of that localized thing just because I have those like anarchist leanings. So mm-hmm. I but I understand it. It comes with its own set of challenges, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And we got to understand that when we're doing this sort of self-criticism like this, it's not really it's criticizing these <laughs> movements, I guess, but self-criticizing yeah. the movement overall, mm-hmm. uh, that we are not trying to be naysayers. Like when we put up, yeah. oh, look, this is what we did wrong. You got to understand that on the other side of it are all the, the, the massive crimes of capitalism that are happening oh, every yeah. day. Oh, yeah, I'd way rather have this kind of shit, like these kinds of debates. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> because you know what? Uh, at the end of the day on that, at least we fucked up. Like at least mm-hmm. we had the power to mess up. We mm-hmm. were in the driver's seat and we hit something, you know. But in the other one, it's the capitalist master's driving our bus off the cliff and killing us all like yeah yeah for sure these are these are kind of good problems to have in a way yeah yeah and and you know because the the capitalists like some they they kind of consider these things like oh if we do too much of this you know barbaric killing of so many people like they might rise up but they don't like you know they don't consider it from a human perspective they're considering it from a profit perspective and power yeah yeah i think I think what frustrates me about the left, and we've talked about this a lot, is that there is so much infighting, and Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it does come from good intentions of, like, when this pops off, I want it to go perfectly. Yeah. But, like, I don't think that's realistic. Like, this is just not how the fucking world works. Like, I just, I keep going back to what Mark said last week in our reading was, last week, like, he was alive. (laughs) (laughs) said it last week. Hey, guys. (laughs) I don't know why I go to that Muppet voice all the time now, but I do. Um, I hope it's okay. That's a good one. (laughs) Thanks. But anyway, I keep going back to that reading where he was just like, hey, whenever it pops off, like you should be on board. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if it's an anarchist, doesn't matter if it's a Leninist, does not matter. Just like fucking go. Join in. Try to help. Let's go lesbians. Go. Yeah. Join in. Try to help. Try to make it better. If we mess up, we mess up and we'll try to fix it. Yeah. It's like, let's fucking kill the elephant in the room. Yeah. And and then we can deal with everything. Elephants are great, but. Yeah, let's kill the capitalists. Well, the elephant being capitalism. <laughs> and no, I totally agree. I think we're saying the same thing here is we, we got to do that first. You know, we got to mm-hmm. put ourselves in control and then we can try not to make mistakes and try to fix the mistakes we make. Yeah, we can only try. So, 
I mean, honestly, yeah. If we were even, it's just, it's funny to be having these discussions because it's like, we're not even close to like <laughs> any of this. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> it's just like, oh, we're just being slowly crushed by capitalism every day. But like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and here we, in our classic uh, coming down. Yeah, right. We start talking about how, well, we're not even anywhere near this. Yeah. Which oh, is true. Sorry, but, y'all. But I mean, these guys, you know, they went from absolute monarchy of you, you know, get your head chopped off for talking shit about the Eucharist to taking control <laughs> in the streets. I mean, so we have yeah. dark days now, but perhaps a dawn is in the future. I fucking hope so. Hopefully. It's like Tsarist Russia. A terrible, yeah. horrible, uh, oppressive, tyrannical place. And eventually they, you know, are taking to the streets with red banners held high. Yeah. So there's hope. Yeah, I hope so. I hope there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We went our pros, cons. I mean, I think we're probably going to come down with, I'm going to give it a five star rating. Yeah, I think I am too. That was pretty sweet. Everybody fucks up. So, I mean, I'm not, I mean... They do make some mistakes, yeah, but, like, they fucking tried. I think that's going to be my new take on things, is just, like, I'd rather <laughs> be the one making the mistakes and get that opportunity mm -hmm. than never having had the chance, so. Yeah, yeah. All right, you're, fi you're five stars, too? Oh, yeah, I think I'm also five stars. Like, nice. it was really fucking cool. Well, what do, do we want to dock at a half star or a full star? Because they didn't let women, like, vote or anything. The the women thing is a tripping point for me. Um, what year was it again? 17... 1871. Oh, it was 1871. That was 17 for some reason. Yeah, you should have gotten your shit together by then. Docking them a, are you docking them a half or a full star? I'll do half. Because I still really like the cut of their jib. Yeah, they're still pretty cool. Yeah, it should be a full. Nah, they did pretty good. And they, it's not like they were just like, women, get out of here completely. Like, women were still doing things. Yeah. And they had, you know, they it, it is still far back in history. I mean, they... Mm -hmm. had their historical times to deal with bullshit like that so they should have fixed that dock them a half star mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. to be critics <laughs> <laughs> but they still did a good job they did that was really neat all right now now i want to listen to lamez <laughs> <laughs> take to the barricades fuck yeah okay all right so now that we reached the end of that let's talk about what are we going to be discussing Next week, I hear you have a project for me. I do, I do. So this is a topic I've had on our list for a long time, but I wasn't sure how to tackle it, and I'm I'm starting to get there. So hopefully mm -hmm. I have it together by next week when we record. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk about uh, fatness, basically, and capitalism, okay. and um, so like I I am a fat person. I'm I'm what's called a small fat, um, which means like I can still find clothes in most stores. Yeah. But people larger than me have it much harder, obviously. So that's like, like you said, clothes in most stores versus like a big and tall section sort of thing? No, versus like some people, like they have to order only online and stuff. Like oh, they just don't okay. carry them in stores and yeah, shit. And that like, makes sense. Yeah, basically the larger you are, like the more issues you're going to have with accessibility um, and with bias and discrimination, harassment and like all these horrible things. And that's what I want to talk about next week is basically like the systemic oppression of fat people, okay. how that works in terms of capitalism today and mm -hmm. how it kind of shows up in left movements as well. Okay. Interesting. The yeah. only thing I know about that is kind of like the leftist like attack of 
fat cats. Yeah, this is kind of where that started is I, I started noticing that more mm-hmm. and more. Like I'd see illustrations and stuff and I'm just like, oh, this hits me the wrong way. <laughs> right. Or like, oh, these, you know, fat bastard capitalist robber barons or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Yeah. That's the only thing I know about it in leftist circles, but there's probably a lot more that you can teach me about that. There's some, yeah. I don't, that section is a little bit smaller right now. I'm going to do a little more research to see if I can find some more, but I I know it's, I feel like fatness is one of our like last very acceptable forms of bias. Yeah. Um, like whenever you, it's really uncomfortable as a fat person to tell people like, yeah, I'm okay with being fat and like, I'm not planning on losing weight. Like they will freak the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, everyone likes to be an amateur nutritionist at that point. Exactly. Or Everyone's like, well, group. have you tried this? I'm like, I don't want to hear it. No, dude, <laughs> what? Restricting calories? Oh, what? <laughs> no one's ever told me this before. <laughs> yeah. I've only been fat my entire life. So, yeah. Yeah. So, we're, we'll talk about, like, just kind of the basics. Like, you know, if you've never been fat or are close to someone who's being fat, there's a lot of this you might not know, just kind of how it affects people. And, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, and we'll be talking, like you said, about the leftist spaces part, as well as how it ties into capitalism and its, like, Mm -hmm. domination of people. For sure. Like, it is closely tied. It's crazy. Awesome. (laughs) All right. I think, uh, what should listeners do in the meantime? (laughs) In the meantime, they should follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, at Teach Communism. Where I recently got a great compliment. Someone was like, I love how much Teach Me Communism knows about Pokemon. That is like the world's best compliment for me. (laughs) Thank you. It needs to be acknowledged more. I'm admittedly bad at the later gens, but that's okay. Oh, yeah, me too. I don't know any of that. Instagram. We're on Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can send us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. That's where you should go if you want to send us a suggestion for a future episode. We have a running doc, and um, I will add basically all suggestions from emails and social media on there and like highlighted a different color so we can kind of see what's in demand. Um, that's definitely what spurred like our Mao episode. We're like, man, a lot of people are asking about this guy. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we are influenced by that. For sure. Very gullible. Very susceptible. (laughs) (laughs) What else? What else? You can also ask us questions there for future Q&A episode. We haven't done one of those in a while, so those are always fun. You should leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help people find the show. Um, Rate and review. It's great. Makes me happy. I love it and need it to survive. You'll you'll boost Christine's self-esteem. I need it. So that's good. We're on YouTube, if that's your preferred method of podcast listening. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash teachmecommunism. That's where, for $5 a month, very cheap, you get Mm -hmm. access to all of our notes. Um, So most weeks it's, I don't know, most weeks we both have notes. This week it's just Grady's. But yeah, you get notes. Those often come with like sources and links. Mine are just kind of funny, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tons of links in this note, so. Nice, yeah. So it's cool because you not only get this week's, but you'll get the whole backlog. And I've mentioned this before, but I frequently use that to like, when I forget an answer to a question, I can just look it up. (laughs) There you go. It's like a little communist encyclopedia. Yeah, build your collection of communist knowledge. Hell yeah. Oh, hey, I think that's, that's all the internet I have. Wonderful. Uh, thank you for being a great student today. Thank you for teaching me. This was fun. Awesome. I look forward to your presentation next <laughs> class. Okay. 
Uh, all right, listeners, you guys can catch us next week on another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all. Goodbye.